0: Welcome to HubShots episode 124. In this episode, we talk about HubSpot's state of inbound report for 2018, plus the importance of insight. You're listening to APAC's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, new features, strategies for growing your market results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot CEO, Brian Halligan, does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. My name's Ian Jacob from Search to Be Found and with me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How
1: are you, Craig? Well, I'm glad to be here, Ian. I know you're holding up. I'm going to call you Mr. Up, I guess. Yes, drug duff <laughs> and um, listeners, uh, no, don't adjust your sets. That's actually me talking through my nose, fighting a cold, so apologies in advance. But if I do sound okay, it'll all be thanks to Chris, our producer, who's managed to weave some magic and make me sound like I'm not talking out of a box underwater or something like that.
0: That's right. We can call it the underwater episode. Yeah, there we go. So Craig, on to our inbound thought of the week. Now, first of all, we'd like to have a shout out to Daniel Bershey from HubSpot. He's a sales engineer who did a really great demo of the new service hub.
1: Yeah. So he spoke at Sydney HubSpot user group last week. As we record this was um, last week and I thought he did an excellent job and he did this demo. It was so good because he'd pre-recorded it and then he spoke to it as it was presented. It was really good. And I think Moby's queuing it up so that we can actually get the video and the audio together. So- I'm going to say we'll have a link in the show notes for it. We don't actually have it yet, but by the time this episode's produced and goes live, I think we will have it. Then it will point to a a blog post on the Sydney HubSpot user group where you can watch his demo. It's really good because you can just take that demo and play it to, well, any prospect that's kind of interested. Now, he's a sales engineer, which you know what that means? He's in sales. He's trying (laughs) to sell And apparently that's a shock to some people, right? But- (laughs) He's in sales, but he's the least salesy person. Correct. But, and like, it was just a really good demo. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't salesy at all. So I, th- I think that's really valuable to watch for our listeners. And we're
0: going to talk about the State of Inbound 2018 report, which has just come out. And you can find that at stateofinbound.com. i not going to say more about that because we're going to dismantle it later in the show. Yep. All right. On to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig. And this is to do with setting business hours on chat windows. So just so you know, it's still called messages in some versions of HubSpot and it's called chat in other versions. And it's mainly chat in people that have actually transitioned or have Service Hub. And if you don't have Service Hub, it's still called messages on the other side. And even getting to the settings is actually different where you find it. But what we want to say is that you now have the ability to set business hours of when your chat is available. So... There's three nice boxes that tells you, you know, only your business hours that you've set. If it's the contact owner, I think is the other one. And there's another option, which I can't think of off my head.
1: Yeah, that's right. And look, this isn't brand new. It's been out for a little while now, but it's been highlighted in their knowledge base, and it's kind of been announced as a product release. So maybe as we an just, update. So maybe we had it as beta before. I'm not sure. Quite possibly, they've just made yeah. it more prominent and easier yeah. to
0: understand. I think.
1: And okay. so I think the reason we're highlighting it is because it is a good feature to enable outside a business house. Because there's nothing worse than that. Oh, you go to a site. Oh, chat box. Oh, can I help you? And yes, oh, we'll get back to you in a We're day. offline. Yeah, we're <laughs> offline. We'll get back to you in a day's so time. I think that's a bad experience. So this will just hide it in outside business hours. So I think that's useful. And I would actually suggest to people they put that in place because I think we're all starting to get a bit paid off when we go to sites and there's a chat. Oh, great. I can talk with someone. No, I can't. So yeah, let's make it a bit better experience. Unless you've got a chatbot. Yeah, well, if the bot can guide you through and actually answer some of your questions, which the bots are getting smarter at doing, yes, definitely. And so bots in HubSpot link to your messages or your chats, chatbots, or your chat tools can have a bot connected to them. Yeah, definitely do that. Have the bot take over. But for general chat that pops up, if you're not there, just don't show it. Exactly. Just disable it.
0: All right, on to our HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. And this is workflows that can't add task queues. Can't add it into a task queue. You can assign it to a person, but you can't add it into a queue. Now, we're going to say it's a gotcha because if you create a task, you can actually select a queue that it belongs to.
1: Yeah, and had to, to uh, Steve Pemberton, one of our listeners, I was chatting with him this week for highlighting this because he uses tasks a lot. I actually personally don't use tasks that much in HubSpot, I have to say except for follow-up, some deals. Whereas I know you tend to use tasks a lot more and for some of your clients, tasks just runs their entire correct sales division, right? Yes. We have other tools, like we have our project management yes. tool where I tend to put our tasks, but tasks related to deals. So for me, the queues weren't such a big issue, but I know for other people that isn't. the task queues are really important. I'm pretty sure it's something they can fix Easily, It's been a a feature request on the community section for more than a year now, but hopefully they'll be uh, addressing that soon. But yeah, a bit of a gotcha there if you're creating tasks from workflows.
0: Onto our marketing feature of the week, Craig. And this is from David C. Baker. I thought it was a great one. It says, why no one wants to read your newsletters. I thought it was very, very well written. And one of the key things he said, people who open and read emails do it for insight not general news or company content. And I thought that was really good because I kind of reflected and thought, well, what are we doing? Or what do other people that we help do? It's not about themselves. It's actually about showing some leadership and knowledge in their business. Isn't it it right?
1: Well, you know, as we always say, email open is related to relevancy, not necessarily frequency. People get hung up on frequency, but relevancy is far more important (laughs) in my opinion and well, the stats show this. And so he actually in his article highlights CB Insights. We've talked about them before. They have a daily newsletter, almost half a million subscribers. So wow. 500,000 email subscribers get their daily newsletter, yes. massive open rate. Why? Because it's relevant. And, well, CB Insights kind of gives the name away. It's full of insight, in that case around technology and stuff like that. But whatever your industry is, providing insight rather than the, oh, Newsletter. Here's a content update about our company. And I don't know about you, but when I get those ones and it's got, oh, you know, welcome, Bob, to the, you know, the customer support team. Bob. I'm just like, really? Like if I'm a really keen customer, sure. But if I'm a prospector, I don't care who's joined your service team.
0: That's exactly right. And I think you've got to be aware of that. And it's a good time actually to review what is being done, especially if things are being triggered off in workflows within the system and you're not aware of what's going out and you'd probably open your eyes to go oh I didn't realize that email was going out to people so it's a really good time to go and do that and what got us talking was I was telling you about an email that I subscribed to a little while ago and it's mainly US based it's called Morning Brew to be honest it's one of the newsletters I actually read every day before I go to bed and I thought about my behavior and I said well why am I doing this like it's I don't even live in the US, but I still find the content fascinating. And we both looked at it, didn't we?
1: Yeah, you've put me onto this. I think it's a great read. And, well, the the combination, great formatting, for starters. That's right. It's such a joy to read. But they combine a bit of news, I will say it, like topical news, but with insight. They put their spin on it. And that's one of the things that this David Seabaker article talks about. It's this whole idea of adding your voice to it. Yes. And that's really hard to outsource, you know, exactly. brand voice and yeah. things like that. These newsletters that do really well, they're often written by not, Someone not necessarily the- founders, but yeah. people that are integral to the business and okay. it's their voice and perspective. And yes. that's what people sign up for. Another one Stratechery by Ben Thompson. I read mm. his every day. Uh, and there's other newsletters that come out from some of the technologists around San Francisco and often the venture capitalists, you know, they... yes. Um, they live in another world, so I, I'm often just old, actually, at some of their views, <laughs> worldviews. But they have insights that challenge me to think, and that's why I keep reading. Yes, so, yeah.
0: All right, On to our HubSpot sales feature of the week, Craig. And here's one that was probably not uh, not very well. It's it's let me say it's a bit hidden. But now you have the ability to restore deleted contacts, companies, and deals. From a recycle bin in your Hubspot CRM within 90 days of the original deletion date, now this doesn't apply to anything to do with GDPR,
1: which is deleted immediately.: Well, you can choose actually you know when you get a request to delete a contact you get that choice. <laughs> delete it or put it into the recycle bin for 90 okay. days, but that's right if you've said delete permanently it's not that's a right. recycle bin no longer. <laughs> I'll just mention I haven't tested this. You know how last week we were saying we'll preface if we haven't well, actually tested this. Have you actually yeah, tested I this I actually yet? went to
0: the recycle bin to see what was in my recycle bin. Oh, yeah. And I saw a whole bunch of contacts. I haven't actually restored any. Right. But they were certainly there.
1: Oh, okay. So. And what, you had deleted them? Or? Yeah, because
0: I go through periodically, probably right. on a weekly basis and delete stuff. Like I had one from your project system, for example. Right. Which I deleted. And I I think I had about 15 in my deleted, which I was a bit surprised about because I've just been deleting them. Yeah.
1: Well, a question for you then, because I wanted to check this. Had you deleted them individually from the contact record or possibly from a listing? You've gone tick, 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 tick and then delete. Correct. So they're manual deletions. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's try and restore one. Oh, yeah. Doing this live on Do,
0: Doing this live as we speak. We're going yeah. to try a restore. So I've got a whole list of things. I'm going to go to, oh, there's my brother-in-law.
1: <laughs> Scintillating listening. Actually,
0: now, what, what is interesting, I've got him deleted and I'm trying to actually restore it. But it actually says can't because it all exists with this um email address
1: oh so there's another interesting point that could be a gotcha that could be so basically you've deleted well that's a great thing to check delete a contact with an email address and then try to add a new contact with that same email address that's right and then try and restore the one you deleted so it won't let you do that it points you to
0: the existing now I'm going to actually restore one that I can I'm just going to click restore Carla okay I've got to say I'm going to restore one contact All right. Welcome back, Carla. Welcome back, Carla. Now she should appear in my list. Let's have a look here. Let's search for Carla. This could be very interesting, Craig. And there she is, back in the list.
1: All right. Done. Well done. All right. Back in the history. There'll be a lot of people happy about that. I wish this had been available a couple of weeks ago. We had a client. (laughs) And basically what had happened, this was a case, this is complete off topic, but- you know how forms you can have the cookie-less version or the cookie version? Correct. And so we often say for people where multiple people in the company might be filling out the form because, you know, they're entering leads or something yep. like that, we say always turn cookies off because you don't, you don't- Otherwise, want when you come back, that's it'll right. kind of pre-fill the form and you're overriding an existing contact. Yes. Anyway, that's what had happened in this case. Someone had actually had a form which used cookies, so they're entering multiple and just overriding the contact. And so then this was triggering some internal workflows and someone else in the company went, oh, hang on, that's no. No, we don't need that. And they deleted the contact, right? Then they contacted us because we're their agency and they said, oh, what's happening? We can't do this. And I said, oh, let me have a look at the contact. I'll be able to check the email. Oh, sorry. We've deleted it. Man, I wish I'd had the recycle bin then. I could have. How long ago was this? Uh, A month, two months, maybe.
0: Just go back and check. It might be there.
1: you reckon it might. Oh, this might be retroactive.
0: Oh, well, because I, I was deleting contacts and I didn't realise that they were in there. Oh, there you and go. that list that you showed that in there. So,
1: okay, just
0: go back and have a look. You might good be po- there's th- surprises yourself. Th- there's
1: tip of the week. Thanks, Ian. I'll do that. I can solve this for them. How good would that All be? All right. On to
0: our opinion of the week, Craig. You know Ian? what
1: we should do then? Sorry, just to hijack <laughs> this a bit further. Let's say that is the case and I can restore it. I'll say, oh... <laughs> I put in a feature request to HubSpot to add a recycle bin. Here it is. It is the content. I just, just claim credit for that. Oh, no, no. Okay, so I
0: will tell you. Jokes. I have from the recycle bin that I can restore what looks to be back from early March. Ooh. So you actually might be. Yeah, definitely. You might be okay. Oh, fantastic. All right. Back to the show now, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> to opinion of the week. The state of inbound report, which we mentioned in our first shot, and we thought we'll talk through some of the slides. What was interesting, we got this state of inbound report that was geared towards Australia and New Zealand, but had everybody else's data in it and how we compare. And it was quite chunky. So we're going to just take a few points out of it and highlight a few things where we think we could be a bit...
1: How do I say it? Look, let's just blame it on me. I... I (laughs) I don't know. you the maybe, cynical one. Maybe because I'm down with the flu or something and I'm just like in a bad mood. I don't know. But I actually thought this state of inbound report was in... It wasn't quite the same as previous I, I actually don't see much value in it. And I'll explain why. In fact, some of these findings, I think, are bordering on useless or misleading, actually. So I'll talk you through that. The first thing to realize is that the sample size... Or not the sample size, but the sample criteria. Like it was a big sample size. I think almost 7,000 respondents across the globe. So it was pretty, it was sizable enough. However, when they did the breakdown of the respondents, they actually found, and if you look at slides 51 and 52 in the actual report, 64% of the respondents had 25 staff or less. So they're pretty small companies. And in fact, only 11% of respondents worked in companies that had 200 staff or Correct, more. Which, which
0: is a massive...
1: Right, so you're massively skewed to small business. Yes. And in fact... It's worse because only 14% of respondents were in companies that had revenues of more than $10 right? Yeah,
0: and that was surprising.
1: We are talking about small, small companies here. Yes. And so why I'm mentioning this is because when you get to some of the findings and slide 19 talking about what marketers find overrated in terms of marketing tactics, you've got to remember that this is skewed towards smaller businesses. And so the strategies and tactics they're using – they're going to be small business. So like a lot of our clients are actually large corporates, right? Yes. Big B2B corporates with thousands of staff, Staff, right? So I can't take the findings from this report and go, oh, you know, look at the state of inbound. Here's what marketers are doing because it's actually totally inappropriate.
0: So that's really interesting because now when we phrase it like that, we've got to shift our perspective, right? Yeah. We're not talking about businesses that you or a lot of the people we would listen to are dealing with. We're dealing with a different size of business. And with that hat on, we've
1: got to interpret this data. I guess the problem I'm highlighting is that we know that now, but often these stats will get parroted out in the echo chamber as, ah, people are using this channel or, and here's the one that I want to highlight, right? Correct. Slide 19. In your opinion, what's the most overrated marketing tactic? And by far, more than uh, 40% of people said paid advertising.
0: Which was print, outdoor, and broadcast.
1: Right. Not online advertising, but Correct. paid advertising. And when you look at the options that they could choose from to yes. respond to. it's not great, is like, it? Like, it's so frustrating because that, of course, they're going to choose that as the most <laughs> overrated tactic because probably none of them ever do it. Because they've got such more marketing budgets. There's such more companies. They're never going to do broadcast or outdoor. Mm. So... They don't actually have a chance to actually test it because they've got small budgets and even use it. And of course they're gonna in that response see that it's overrated. Now the problem is people get us a, a result like that and go, Oh, marketers, general stereotype, think that paid advertising is overrated. And it's not true because I know in the companies we work, at the large corporates, they spend millions. Outdoor, bus shelters, paid, and doing TV. How many of the respondents in this survey have ever done any TV advertising, right? Probably very few. So, of course, the results are skewed.
0: And the next part we're going to talk about is that flows straight on is the marketing spend distribution, right? So, it says, how much will your company spend on marketing over the next 12 months? And it says, please do not include salary of staff. A bulk of these people sat in the $25,000 to less, which is pretty... Small and the next biggest one was twenty-five dollars to $100,000. That's right. What now, does that tell us?
1: So <laughs> uh, let me put this in perspective. Let's say you're a HubSpot customer, not an agency, but yes. you're a HubSpot customer and you use an agency to help with your marketing. And so well, let's if, you're look, in the, if
0: you're in the first band, you're not even paying for your HubSpot subscription.
1: Well, that's right. <laughs>
0: I, I, well, let, let's nev- never
1: mind the cost of the tools, but let's say you've got an agency and they're on a 5K retainer and you're putting 5K into paid advertising let's say, AdWords and a bit of Facebook each month. So 5K, 5K, 10K, that's 120K a year, right? And straight away, and that's like a small business kind of spend. Straight away, you're outside the majority of of all the respondents. It's skewed so unhelpfully. I think it's almost useless. Yeah. I guess that's my point.
0: These are interesting insights given the data that's in this. And I think when I first looked at it, I kind of questioned a lot of stuff. But now working from the back forwards... I'm actually looking at things with a different lens. I think that's what you've got to do if you're having a look at this report.
1: So at best, I think you could call this the small business state of inbound.
0: All right, Craig. on to our podcast of the week. We want to highlight two episodes of Marketing School. And the first one is their take on how HubSpot does stuff, which is really interesting because we obviously know a bit about HubSpot and what goes on as people that use the system, people that interact with a lot of HubSpotters and as agency partners. And it's very interesting, an outsider's perspective on how they're going about their stuff. It's a quick six minute listen. So I encourage you to listen to that. And then after that, Eric and Neil talk about how they spend their marketing dollars. And if I equate this to the slide we just spoke about before, they'd be well off the scale. They'd be off into the arts where there's 2% of people spending that kind of money. But what I found fascinating with this is here's two people, one's building a business. I think Eric has an office somewhere. Neil looks like he has a very small distributed team and if you hear the kind of money that he spends I think your jaws will hit the ground but good on him but it just shows the totally different strategies that they're using to get results in what they're doing
1: I agree I love this show so have a
0: listen let me just go back it was episode 672 and 668 and the links are in the show notes now onto our resource of the week, Craig, and this is from Hrefs, and it says 91% of content gets no traffic from Google. And I can believe that.
1: I thought it was a bit of a shock, but yeah, they've studied billions of pages, like billions, and they looked at a range of factors, but what was actually getting any traffic. And yeah, a very large amount of content was getting no traffic from Google. It might get it from other sources, social or emails or things like that. However, the reasons why I thought were the interesting things we wanted to highlight. And of course, Ahrefs does a whole lot of backlink analysis. They were able to correlate that. And so lack of backlinks. So what's the first one? Lack of backlinks. Yeah, lack of backlinks was correlated highly with content getting no traffic, which is probably not so much of a surprise.
0: Correct. Another one was lack of interest. So people aren't searching for the content on those pages. And the third one is no specific topic targeting. Now I'm going to talk to this because I see this happen a lot. And one of the things that we have done progressively over time with a lot of customers is actually use the content strategy tool within HubSpot to actually have some sort of strategy and understanding of how we structure content. And that's a way to solve this
1: problem. That's a really good tip. You know, we should cover the content strategy tool again. I think it's one of those hidden gems. Yes. I was originally negative on this tool. But Varun turned me around. It, it's and yeah, come around a long way. It's a great time. And
0: it's something that we're doing with a lot of our customers. So I think we'll have some great examples in a few months' time to actually show what's going on. Mm,
1: yeah, and shout out to Varun at HubSpot for setting this right. straight. So look, the action items from this AHF study is really, in terms of that lack of people searching for it and no interest, you've got to do proper keyword research. What are people actually searching for? Rather than just, oh, I think this might be interesting to me. No one else. I'm just write about guff that Correct. no one's interested in. And then two, I like how they said, oh, so you should just get some good quality links to your content at the end of the article. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll just do that <laughs> then. <laughs> like, that's actually pretty hard outreach. It, it is. It is. But if it were easy, everyone would do it. Exactly. So the hard work of getting links, outreach and getting backlinks pays off.
0: That's right. All right, Craig, Onto our quote of the week. This is from Gottlieb Daimler. It says, the best or nothing at all.
1: Not sure if that's the best quote. Great, Craig. Sorry, I was trying to be funny there.
0: <laughs> All right, we've got a few bonus links at the end of the show, so I encourage you to go check that out. And as always, we'd love you to leave us some feedback and join the WhatsApp group and the Facebook group because we're there pretty much every day.
1: Leave us a comment on your thoughts on the state of inbound. Yes, was I? Just we'd in, love to hear. Was I just in that. grumpy mode tonight, or do you actually agree with me? I'd love to know what people's thoughts are on the report.
0: Absolutely. Until next time, Craig.
1: Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening
0: to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com.